Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. The Self Love Club, a place where boss babes share their stories to empower women. Welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. I'm Val Crawford and you can find out more about why I've launched this club at valcrawford.com. I'd love for you to join it and trust me, it's not like a cult or pyramid scheme. It's literally just a club where you can come hang out. It's going to be a fun time. Join me for a podcast series where we'll hear the stories of girl boss women who are doing super cool things with their lives. We'll find out how they've done what they have, their self-love and self-care practices, and they'll share their tips to empower you to live your best life. Olivia Rogers grew up in Adelaide and is mega talented. Olivia is an artist, has a background in modelling, and is a qualified speech pathologist. In 2017, Olivia was crowned Miss Australia and represented the country at Miss Universe, which opened doors to huge opportunities. Olivia is a mental health advocate and uses her platform to openly speak about her own mental health battles and overcoming disordered eating. A beautiful person inside and out, we are so lucky to have Olivia share her story and insightful advice on the Self Love Club podcast. Olivia, thank you so much and welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. So happy you could make it in, so thank you. Me too, it's my pleasure. Thanks Yay. for having me. How was your break? You got up to some cool things? I did. I went back to South Australia, which is home, and I was there for a couple of weeks uh, just relaxing, enjoying the beach and spending time with my family and my boyfriend. So it was awesome. Yeah, now back in Melbourne, back into the year. Yep, back into the year. I'm really excited about it, actually. Um, I feel like holidays went really quickly, but not too quickly because I am ready to sort of get back into things. Yeah. What do you want to do in 2019? A lot. Um, it's a hard question. And I had a feeling you might ask me that. So I was trying <laughs> to think about it on the way here. Um, for me, my life for the past couple of years has sort of just been winging it. So I'm going to continue to do that, um, but also make sure that I'm incorporating things that I really want to do. So one of them is uh, publish a book that I've been working on for ages with a friend of mine. Um, it sort of got put on the back burner when Miss Universe happened and all of that. So that's something that is definitely a big goal for both of us. Um, and then to focus on my art a bit more, that sort of um, something that I love doing and I haven't been doing as much. Uh, so taking the time to, to do that and maybe work more with it, but either way, you know, whether it's work or just doing it for me, then I think I just want to paint more. Yeah. Um, and yeah, other than that, hopefully, you know, keep landing some amazing jobs and see what happens, but you know, I've always got speech pathology to fall back on if things don't uh, keep continuing as they have been. And that's what you trained in. So that's what you were doing before the Miss Australia stuff. So how did you come to a point of wanting to do that? Like you obviously went and trained in it. Like did you know that's what you wanted to do growing up? No. Um, (laughs) Growing up I changed my mind a million times, um, which I think is pretty common. I got to 18, in year 12, still had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I knew I wanted to do well in year 12. I was a bit of a nerd, um, loved uh, getting good marks. Like mm. I, For me, it was just such a good feeling. Um, 
I think because I wasn't good at sport, there was like sort of nothing else that I really got that um, that kick from, I guess. So, you know, getting an A was like the best thing. <laughs> um, that sounds so nerdy. but No, I it's good. Still to like want to do yeah, well, like. well. Yeah. I was a bit of a high achiever perfectionist type personality. Um, but yeah, I thought about working with kids. So teaching, um, I've always loved working with children, uh, love kids. And then I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to put myself into that box and do something that's so specific. Um, and then I thought about doing psychology because I, you know, I'd suffered from anxiety and depression and uh, it's been in my family as well. So that was something that I thought would be uh, really beneficial. You know, I'd love to help people. So that's something I thought about doing. And then thought about physio, thought about being a doctor. My dad's a doctor and he sort of encouraged that. Um, but yes, a, a number of different things and I couldn't make my mind up. And then someone suggested speech pathology and I didn't even know what it was. To yeah. Be and a lot of people don't. I think if you've never had one in your life or your family has never needed one, then you don't really know necessarily what it is. And most people, when I've said I'm a speech pathologist, they're like, oh, cool. So can you teach me how to speak good? I'm like, um, <laughs> that's not really what it is, but, um, I, yeah, I guess someone suggested it. I looked into it and I was like, oh, that's kind of a combination of all the things I'd considered. So you're helping people. There's a lot of psychology in it. Uh, it's a bit of teaching. It's kind of medical. There's a lot of anatomy and physiology behind it. Um, so yeah, it combined a lot of the things that I thought about doing. And although it is a very specific degree, um, which took four years and it was bloody hard. <laughs> I bet. Um, yeah, although it is quite specific, there's so much variety within that. So you can work with children with special needs or, you know, people who have had brain injuries or strokes or, um, you know, from that to someone once said, you know, um, there are speech pathologists that work with police to do vocal recognition, voice recognition stuff. And there's just so many different wow. areas that you just – it's actually crazy. So I knew that going into it, I loved every aspect of it. And I knew that if that was going to be my career forever, then I would never get bored. Because if, you know, if one thing's not really floating your boat, then change it and do something else. Um, but then it's funny because I'm not even doing any of it right now. Yeah. So how long were you obviously studied that and then you started practicing? Yeah. Like how long were you doing that for? I only practiced for a year. So I studied, like I said, it was four years, but I did my first year and then I took a year off and moved to Sydney for modelling and, um, yeah, you can't defer for a short period of time. You have to defer the whole year. So it meant that my degree ended up taking me five years um, and then got a job straight out of uni, which was awesome and it was a great job. I loved it. Um, it was super flexible, which was good too because I was still painting and doing a bit of modelling on the side um, and that was in Adelaide. But, yeah, so I did it for a year and then – I made the plan to move to Melbourne. So I quit my job then and I was like, oh, you know, Melbourne has so many great opportunities when it comes to modelling and I thought, you know, it's a new market for me with my art. So I was just going to wing it for a little bit doing that and see what happened. Um, I hadn't looked for a job as a speech pathologist. And then Miss Universe happened and that's something I never expected. Uh, but, yeah, so then I won that and then that was a year of my life doing that. And since then, just sort of riding the wave of that. Yeah. So we'll talk about more about that soon. But like with the with the modelling, when did that sort of start for you? When did you get into doing that? So that I uh, started when I was 17. That's when I sort of got scouted on Facebook. I was like, um, 
is this really meant for me? I showed my mom and I was like, what the hell? Like, this can't be right. Because modeling was something that was never on my radar. I was uh, super insecure as a child. I went through a stage of being super chubby. Um, so I was very self-conscious from the age of about eight till I was 12. Like mom and dad divorced when I was eight. And we, my siblings and I all put on weight. We call it the post-divorce mm. fat. Um, <laughs> cause it was literally like we were Aww. eating our feelings and mum was encouraging it. She was like, please don't be sad. I'll buy you an ice cream. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that was sort of a coping mechanism for all of us was to just go to food. And it wasn't until I was 12, 13 ish and then started getting into a bit more sport at school that I, you know, lost a bit of weight and, but I was still sort of that chubby, insecure child throughout the rest of my teen years. So you know, whenever I got any sort of attention for my looks, I, uh, I felt super uncomfortable and didn't understand it. So yeah, getting a message about modeling, I was like, no, this can't be right. Um, and I sort of put it off. So as much as it was flattering, I was like, I was terrified Mm. and didn't think I really wanted to do that. Um, so, you know, my excuse was, cause she said, you know, we want to get you in to do a course and, um, you know, do some test photo shoots and that sort of thing. But I, uh, I wanted to go overseas and um, like I had a gap year before uni. Um, I went and travelled the States. I worked at a summer camp over there uh, as a lifeguard. That's so cool. Which was What really part cool. of America? It was in New Hampshire. Uh, so, yeah, six hours north of New York and two hours from Boston, which was awesome because on our days off we got to head there. Uh, but, yeah, I was working as a lifeguard teaching kids how to water ski and swim and um, it blew my mind how, you know, these nine-year-old kids have never swum before because, you know, they live in New York and it's not like Australia. Like mm. I swear we, we learn how to swim before we know how to you walk. You have to. We're so, yeah. surrounded by water. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so teaching kids how to, you know, that you, when you go underwater you can't breathe in. Like <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> literally teaching them to blow <laughs> bubbles underwater because they don't know um, that, yeah, you, you can't uh, breathe underwater. But that was amazing. So teaching kids to water ski, swim, and sail, but that was a disaster because I only learned how to sail two days before <laughs> I was teaching it. So we won't go there. But I'm teaching while I'm also learning. Oh my God, it's so bad. <laughs> At the beginning, they were like, we want to go with Olivia. And then towards the end of camp, they're like, don't go with Olivia. <laughs> she doesn't know what she's doing. That would have given you a lot though, going and doing that, like that straight awesome. from school, leaving home, yeah. going to a, like the other side of the world. That it would have, amazing. did that help with your confidence? Definitely. And I was the only Australian there. So I really had to just, um, you know, put myself out there and I was meeting so many amazing people and I made friends that I'm, I, I'm still in contact with them. And that was now, God, what year was that? 2010. So God, almost mm. nine years ago. It's crazy. It goes fast, doesn't I it? I was in an, in the US end of 2017 for, for Miss Universe and caught up with people that I met back at camp. So it's crazy. Like, um, you know, people that I never would have met otherwise and I'm still friends with them. So yeah, it's really good. But did that then went to Europe so then I said to her, you know, I'm saving my money for this. I don't want to do, I don't want to pay for a modeling course. And I'm just, I kept putting it off. And then I got back from Europe and I'd put on, you know, an eight kilos or something, as you do. I feel oh. like if you don't put on weight on your Europe trip, then you haven't done it right. <laughs> um, I remember getting back and I was trying on some jeans in a change room and my sister was shopping with me and I was shopping because my, none of my clothes fit me. <laughs> And I, oh. you know when you do like the jean dance, you put oh, the jeans on, and <laughs> even when you like buy jeans that do fit you, it's hard because yeah. you've got to buy them tight because they gotta stretch. In. Yeah. So I was like wriggling in hard and kicked one of my legs out. You know, like kick both yeah. out. 
and it kicked the change room door. And my sister's like, did you just kick the door because you're too fat to fit in your jeans? And I was like, yes. <laughs> she hit the nail on the head. Um, anyway, so long story short, just kept putting off modelling because I was like, nah, I don't know. Anyway, got to a point where she really kept – she was very persistent. That's so she good. Kept encouraging me to come in. I went in, uh, did a few shoots and found that I didn't hate it. It wasn't um, – something that I really loved either but it could be really fun when you had a good shoot you know a nice photographer a nice makeup artist hairstylist they're all these amazing creative people and people that I never would have met otherwise and it could be really fun um but it was when they started telling me you know to lose weight and to change who I was to fit the mold that it became yeah something really um I guess negative yeah. And I, I still stuck with it for quite a while. Um, like I said, I ended up moving to modeling, uh, moving to Sydney for it. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty dark time in the end for me. Yeah. How did it affect you and how was it quite a dark time for you? Did it, did you end up having to lose weight and did that yeah. affect you really badly? Yeah. So I then was, I was pretty slim. Like I lost my, my Europe kilos, um, I wasn't obsessed by my weight. I just wanted to be fit and healthy. So I, you know, would just eat healthy foods. I wasn't restricting myself in any way. Um, I just enjoyed exercising, walking, uh, you know, doing some gym classes, that sort of thing, mainly with friends. But there was no sort of strict routine for me. It was nothing that I was really, um, yeah, I wasn't really overcome by it. But then they said to me, they, they said basically that there was this, massive opportunity that I could have, um, I could have done, I suppose, uh, if I got to a certain size. So they never said lose X amount of kilos. They were like, your hips need to be this size. And it's such a strange concept because nobody measures themselves, like, you know, except for in the modeling world, really, like there's no point unless you're getting a dress made or whatever, you don't just measure yourself. So I was like, oh, surely, because at the time it was only, I think, four centimetres that I had to lose. And I was like, that doesn't sound like much. Because I, I, I don't know, I didn't think, it, was, it wasn't something that I knew much about. No. Four centimetres is a lot. <laughs> um, so I actually had to lose, like, I think it ended up being nine kilos or something. That's a lot of weight when you lot, don't need when to I lose slim, weight. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the thing was, to do that, I was I had to be so strict and cut out everything and you know, cut out things that I really enjoyed. And, and instead of enjoying exercise, it became a chore. It became something I had to do because I had to get to that size. I was measuring myself every day, um, just to make sure I was still, you know, the numbers were still going down, um, weighing myself sometimes two to three times a day. Um, because if I wasn't, you know, if I, if I was a bit bigger one morning, I was like, oh, well, hopefully by the end of the day, if I don't eat too much, then I'll be less. Like, it became so unhealthy and I was obsessed by it because, you know, I felt like I had to be and I guess for the modelling thing I did. But in the scheme of things and, um, you know, for my normal life and well-being, it was just so unnecessary mm. and I should have just not done it. But I'm glad I did because I think it taught me so much about myself and it taught me so much about so many things um, in hindsight. But, yeah, at the time I was just – so caught up in it all and it was exhausting just thinking about what I was going to eat next and what I couldn't eat and and 
you know, trying to avoid sort of certain social situations because I knew that I wouldn't be able to, you know, if, if my friends were like, let's just go to this place for dinner. We were all uni students. Like we didn't have much money. So we'd often share dinners, but then that meant that I couldn't order like, you know, my salad with my dressing on the side and pick at it. It meant like sharing pizzas or whatever. And I couldn't do that because mm. I couldn't eat well in my head. I couldn't eat those kinds of foods. So, um, it ended up, I ended up having anxiety and depression and quite clearly disordered eating. That was never diagnosed, but the anxiety and depression was. Um, and I still, and I had that even when I moved to Sydney. So yeah, it was tough. How did you overcome that? And how did you stop, um, being obsessed with your weight and, and what you're eating? That took a really long time. Yeah. I guess when I was in Sydney, I didn't have scales, which was a positive because I stopped thinking about my weight. I, the lowest, when I was weighing myself every day, um, I got down to about 49 kilos, which I'm 5'9", so it's That's just tiny, even for really sh- bad. someone who was shorter. Really bad. I To look at, I looked so unwell. Um, I was scrawny and like a, I've got a big head. I looked like a lollipop. Um, you know, I, my body's not built that way. I'm not supposed to be that size. And I was growing like extra hair on my back because – you know, my body was trying to keep me warm because I was freezing. There was no fat on me to keep me warm. My butt hurt. Like I remember sitting for an exam because it was the end of my first year of uni that this sort of happened. And I was sitting through my anatomy exam, which was three hours and more so than the questions. All I could think about was how much pain I was in because mm. my bum had nothing on it and my bones were just rubbing against this chair. Um, it was awful. I was cold, tired, miserable, hungry, just, you know, all the time. And you probably, um, did you think, I just don't want to live like this? Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it got to a point where I was so depressed. I I would get up and just, you know, think, shit, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to face the day. Like, I just, I want to go back to bed. I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to do anything. Getting up meant that I had to, um, I had to eat and I had to do, you know, I had to sort of go through my day planning what I was going to do to make sure that I didn't eat too much and make sure I did that exercise that I had to do, um, that I had no energy for. Like I went, I remember going to a boxing class, which is something I used to love and I became such a chore and I hated it. And I was there and I almost fainted because I just, that shouldn't have been exercising no. the amount I was eating. Um, but yeah, I got, I became, uh, well not, I guess I had a lot of suicidal thoughts, um, which is, yeah, really scary. Um, and all too common. Um, how did you get yourself out of that? And like, what did you do when you were having those thoughts? So I, for a long time, didn't tell anyone. Um, I knew that something was wrong. My sister knew something was wrong. She, but her sort of way to, uh, approach me was she couldn't help but be angry at me, which is so fair because she was sort of like, what the fuck are you doing to yourself? Mm. But yeah, she knew something was up and she kept saying, you know, you're not well. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. And she's like, part of you not being well is that you don't kind of admit that you're not well. Mm. And she's, she was so right that I was just angry at her because I was like, oh, she knows. But, you know, yeah, like, I didn't stop bringing attention yeah, to it. I like exactly. just want to sweep this away. Yeah. So I kept trying to sort of pretend everything was fine and put on this front that I was okay. Um, but, you know, my sister knew me better than I knew myself, I think, back then. But, um I ended up reaching out to my mum because I had a massive panic attack and I knew I was like, I can't keep doing this to myself and I can't do this on my own. So she took me to the doctor, GP, who then referred me to a psych. 
uh, and I saw a psychologist for a long time. Uh, that really helped. I went on medication at the time as well because I was in a really, really dark place. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either, even if, you know, you're not in a as dark place as I was. If it's recommended and it's going to help you, then it's fine. I think so many people think that it's a bit taboo to take medication and it's scary and it changes you or whatever. But, um, you know, you take painkillers if you've got shocking back pain. So taking medication for mental health, I think, is mm. something that's frowned upon that shouldn't be. Um, but, yeah, so I did – I took medication and – I was on that medication when I moved to Sydney and there's no way that I could have lasted longer than a week if I hadn't been. Um, but I also moved in with a family who were amazing. Uh, but it was really tough. Like I was going to castings four times a day, pretty much every day. Um, and you don't hear back if you don't get the job. So you're just waiting around hoping that you've, you know, you're going to get the call back and then what? Nine times out of 10, you don't. So mm. actually probably more than that. So it's just a lot of rejection and you can't help but think what's wrong with me and maybe I should be skinnier or maybe I should, you know, do something different um, to change that. But they don't care about your personality at all. So you get to the casting and they just look you up and down and because they all they want is a certain look. So I couldn't change anything about me except for what I'd already changed, that I was so skinny. <laughs> um mm. And it was exhausting just trying to maintain that size. So then when I decided to move back to Adelaide, I was like, fuck that. I'm never, I'm never modeling again. Um, you know, they'd made me dye my hair brown, cut it really short. And at the time it had been really long. Like they were just trying to make me something I was completely not. And I was like, I'm, you know, I'm going to be a speech pathologist. Why am I doing this? Um, so I just, yeah, I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. And then that's when I, my mental health started to improve, but it took a really long time. Mm. Um, because once you've been so skinny, any amount of weight that I was putting on, I stopped weighing myself and measuring myself, but I felt big. Mm. And I'm sure that anyone who's been through something similar like would feel the same because you can't help it. Even when you get to a normal size, even when I was still slimmer than a lot of my friends, I still felt really big. Yeah, well, because you'd been so small then yeah. to put on like even like five two five kilos yeah. would felt like you would have felt really overweight even though yeah. you were definitely not yeah and then it's really hard too when restricting my food had become such a habit so to break that habit and make it normal to you know love food again not be scared of it I just had such a bad relationship with myself and with food um you know I was so scared of certain foods uh and that took ages. Mm. So for you, like, I mean, obviously that would have been through some really good therapy and, and some good, like working with a psychologist, but for you, like getting into modeling really triggered and brought that out in you, didn't it? Like that was what, and then by stopping that, obviously you're doing the work, but did you find that that is when it sort of stopped becoming a big, big thing for you? Yeah. But then I started modeling again. (laughs) So, uh, I think the biggest thing was I was being told to be something that I wasn't. So when I stopped modeling, I was like, I'm not doing that again. And I, I meant modeling, but when I started getting approached to model again, it wasn't through an agency. So I decided to manage myself. I didn't want to be told to be a certain size and I wanted to just control what I was doing. And so it was sort of through, it was through Instagram and then Adelaide's quite small. So word of mouth and, you know, a friend would be like, oh, my friend's got this brand and they want to do a little shoot. Is it a, you know? They'd pay me like a hundred bucks and give me a couple of dresses or whatever. And as a uni student, I was like, this is awesome. Yes. Nice little side gig. And they weren't saying, make sure you lose five kilos before we do the shoot or whatever. They were, they liked me for how I looked. And 
So to then be modeling and not be told to change, I was like, well, I can do this. And it wasn't, it was never making me stressed. It was never making me sad. Um, and it was fun. So all the things that I enjoyed about modeling when I did like it, like those, you know, meeting creative, amazing people and, and producing awesome photos, it's, it is fun. Mm. Um, particularly when you get to be yourself. So I started to enjoy it again, but then I, yeah, I never went back to an agency. Yeah. So you were doing it on your terms and yeah, like, I mean, if the, yeah, that's so good. And then, so when it came to doing Miss Australia, how did that all come about? So that happened, uh, almost this time, two years ago now, I got an email, uh, saying that I should apply. So they go around and scout girls. So through Instagram, Facebook, on the street, whatever. I Last year I was scouting girls. It's actually really fun. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, got this email and it just gave me anxiety. It was kind of like back in the day when I got the email about the modeling agency and I was like, oh God, like <sighs> this can't be right. Um, and I thought, no, nah, that's not for me. Like my idea of a beauty pageant, which essentially is what it is, Miss Universe, um, I, yeah, had this picture in my head of the typical plastic, fantastic, um, American, very Americanized kind of pageant world. And that is so not me. Um, so I was like, no, like, thank you, but no, thank you. But then I got another email like a couple of months later. And at the time when I got the first one, I was like, oh, mom, I got this, but no way. And she's like, oh yeah. Like she said that she'd be worried that I would end up like I did when I was taking modeling very seriously. And, um, so yeah, sort of like not, nah. and then got the email again and I said, I told mom and she was like, well, they obviously really want you. Like maybe you should just do it for fun. But I was still pretty apprehensive. But then it wasn't until I spoke to one of the sponsors and she said, you know, uh, just how amazing the owners are that it's a couple and they're really down to earth and, um, they care so much about you as a person. It's not just about how you look and, you know, you get to use your voice and you get to speak about things that you're passionate about. And yeah, there is the beauty pageant aspect of it, but particularly in Australia, they try not to, well, Troy, the the guy who owns it, he hates the word pageant because he's like, it's just got this negative connotation and it does. Um, so he's like, I prefer to call it, you know, a party <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or just the competition or something. Um, so it's not associated with that because it is so much more about having fun and, and being confident and loving yourself and spreading a, you know, positive message. And so then I was like, okay, maybe I'll just do it just for fun. See what happens. If I don't get through, it doesn't matter because I didn't, you know, put all my eggs in one basket. I wasn't really too fast either way. And I never thought I would win. Um, I never thought I'd even get through the state final. So yeah, then that was, it ended up being such a fun experience because I had reached a point where I was really happy within myself. I was confident. I was, you know, mentally stable, well. Um, and I, I said to them too, I was like, if you tell me to lose weight, then I'm not going to do this. So I think that's good. You did it on your own terms and yeah. you set those boundaries with them and they accepted that they were, they were happy to do, to do that. Yeah, exactly. And throughout the whole competition, I, I wasn't in it to win it. I was in it to enjoy it and make friends and, um, you know, build my confidence and just have fun. And so then when I won, because I'd completely be myself the whole time after, you know, from that day, I've continued to just be myself. I never felt any pressure to be anything else because they had encouraged me to just do that. So 
what was it like winning it? And then what was, you know, what was the whole experience like afterwards as well? You know, like being through this and then what did you get to do afterwards? So winning it, uh, <laughs> I can't even really describe the feeling. It was, I honestly felt like I was in a dream. Like it didn't feel like real life. Um, I, the first thing I said was what the fuck when I was on the stage, <laughs> Oh my god! we just, thankfully nobody got footage of, well, not that I've seen. I think it might be <laughs> on a tape somewhere, but, um, I was looking at one of the judges and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, you know, that don't do is. that. You have so many cameras on you right now. Um, but I just could, I was in genuine yeah, shock. Did. Like, I don't think I've ever been so shocked and happy in my life. Yeah. Like usually I have a feeling of shock previously has probably come with negative things, but it's never, I've never had such a positive shock. Um, and yeah, from then on, it was just the whole year, you know, even now still to be referred to as Miss Universe Australia or former Miss Universe Australia is so weird. Like, mm. I don't think I'll ever get used to it. Um, it was amazing. It just opened so many doors for me. I get to do so many amazing things that there's no way I would have been able to do those had I, you know, stayed uh, in Little Adelaide being a speech pathologist and just like, you know, I was not that I wouldn't be happy doing that. Like, I think I still would have been really happy, but, um, but yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah. So what sort of things are you able to do now? Thanks to being Miss Universe, like what sort of advocacy roles or like, you know, they, they tell you that you can use your voice. So what have you got to do? So throughout my year, my advocacy was for mental health. Um, and I think that had a bit to do with winning it. Um, because a lot of the process of winning is about, um, you have these judged interviews, so you sit across from a panel. So that's before the night, before you do the parade, um, the pageant, whatever you want to call it. Um, you are asked a number of different questions from, you know, I think it was about seven or eight people at the, on the panel. And they say to you, you know, what will you do if you win? What will you, um, what message would you like to spread? Um, but then also things like, what would you do if you don't win? So they sort of want to know um, just how you stand with competition and that sort of thing. But, uh, but yeah, I said, you know, having had ex- having experienced mental health issues myself, um, anxiety and depression and disordered eating, um, and also my dad has bipolar. So, yeah, it's something that I, I'm very passionate about and passionate about uh, reducing the stigma and getting people to be open about it and uh, not be so ashamed I think there's so much shame associated with it still um but yeah so that's something that I wanted to talk about and I feel like I've really been able to do that there have been so many opportunities um you know speaking publicly speaking on podcasts like this (laughs) um yeah so many different platforms that I've been able to use because of Miss Universe Australia yeah Um, so it's been really powerful, I think. I think it's really important for women and men as well to, you know, we you know we use Instagram a lot and you see people on there. And I think it's really cool that you've that you've been open about it because, you know, like a lot of people, it's so common experience in their own way or form. So to have people that look like, you know, you do have an amazing life and for them, they're like, wow, look at Olivia's like life. Like she's doing so many cool things for you to be really open and, and, and with them. I think it's just like, I think it's really cool because it's like it makes it more real and they can relate. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think it's really important that people ha- who have that platform use it like that. We, obviously, if they've experienced it or if they haven't, like obviously whatever you're going to use your platform for needs to be 
no, genuine. It needs to be genuine. Yeah. So I think it's really important that people aren't. I think if people aren't, because social media can be quite a nasty place at times, not like nasty as people are being nasty to each other, which does happen. But like, you know, it, it can become quite a fake world. Yeah. So if people are, you know, like sharing things like that and being open about it, it's just, it makes people feel better about it. Because I mean, you know, and I know, and those of us who have experienced mental health, we know how horrible it is. Yeah. So then not, not feel like anyone understands or and you're, that you're so alone is just 100%. It's you so feel, isolating. You feel like you're crazy and nobody understands. And if you tell someone, they're going to think you're just weird Mm. and it's so not the case because it's more likely that the person that you tell will be like oh my god I've had those same feelings or I thought I was the crazy one like you think you're so alone and you're not so I think yeah spreading the message and telling people that they're not alone and that it is okay not to be okay all the time and and you know even still like I I'm the happiest I've ever been but I think it's important to acknowledge too that we don't feel happy 24 7 and Instagram makes it look like that because you know, it's very rare that someone's going to post a photo or video Mm. of them crying because something bad's happened. I think sometimes people acknowledge negative things in their life, but most of the time it's a highlight reel. And yeah, I think then you get caught up. And I did definitely as well when I was getting better, um, when I was feeling sad and yeah, when I was feeling sad and thinking that, oh, maybe I'm depressed again. Just acknowledging that like all feelings that you have, generally speaking, are normal as long as they're not too often. Um, So yeah, I think just talking about that in general is really helpful, but there's such, like we have such a big responsibility as, um, I guess, I hate the word influencers, but as Yeah, your friend Tally doesn't like it either. Yeah, well, it's like, it's just, um, I don't know, it puts you into a bit of a box, I think. Yeah. Um, But I I don't really know what else to, I guess- People with a following on Instagram. Yeah, you've got a social media following. Yeah, if you've got a following, I think you have a responsibility to to be a positive role model. Um, I know there's been a lot in the news over the years about, you know, footballers who stuff up and do these silly things and, you know, they're like, oh, but they're just footballers. They didn't mean to be in the spotlight. It's like it doesn't really matter how you end up in the spotlight. Once you're in there, you do have a responsibility to be a good person. Because there are so many people who look up to you, whether you like it or not. And mm. I think, yeah, the, the more positive messages you're spreading, the better. And you are doing this full time now, like your social media. That, is that what you're doing full time? I guess, yeah, social media uh, isn't my main source of income. Um, I guess in a sense it probably is tied to everything. So, yeah. uh, you know, whether it be like a a brand ambassador role or like last year I got, um, I was the Melbourne Cup Carnival ambassador. So with that role, like most of it was media and, um, and attending all of the days, but with that they tie in, you know, certain amount of social posts and that sort of thing. So yeah, social, social, social media is a big part of what I do, but I would like to think that it's a lot more than that. So, yeah, of so, course. you know, if Instagram was to blow up tomorrow as in be deleted <laughs> or whatever, um, that the work that I'm doing would still continue because, you know, there's a lot of, um, I've been able to emcee different things and speak at events and, and have, you know, roles such as that, but, and then a bit of modeling, but it's more ambassador roles. So, uh, modeling as a personality, I suppose, rather than just a face, which I really enjoy. Um, but yeah, I mean, social media is 
a big part of it and I am I feel very lucky to have it like I can't imagine my life without it because it's been so powerful and for me just so positive and I hope to keep it that way yeah did your social media following grow went through Miss Australia and Miss Universe? Is that when it grew, grew for you? Definitely, yeah. I had a little mm, – I think when I started Miss Universe, I had maybe 20,000. Oh, wow. Um, and I don't really know why. I think that was sort of because of modelling and I don't know. I've As like a young kid, I always loved taking photos um, and sharing photos. When Facebook and MySpace and whatever started, I was always – changing my profile picture and putting new things up and uploading massive albums of pointless photos because I just love, I've always loved taking photos. So for me, Instagram um, was just something that came naturally. I just liked putting up photos of, you know, pretty things or things that I was doing or, um, you know, cool shoots that I enjoyed doing or that sort of thing. Um, And yeah, for some reason people were interested in that. And then when Miss Universe happened, I think within a week it went up like 30,000 followers. Wow, that would have been crazy to watch. You're like, what? It was really weird. And then um, and and all the weird messages I started getting. (laughs) I Um, bet you see some interesting things. (laughs) And then, um, yeah, when I went to Vegas for the Miss Universe, like international competition, it happened again. Um, How do they find you on on, like Instagram from like a Miss Universe? Like do they just know your name and they search for you? Is that how it works? Yeah, I think so. But the whole world, like – it's not a massive thing here. People don't really no. follow Miss Universe. And to be honest, I didn't until I was in it. Like when I was over there, all these other contestants were talking about previous winners and, and they're like, oh, my God, I love this girl and she's done this and this and this. And I'm like, oh, God, keep talking because I don't, <laughs> I don't know anything about this. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Like it's been some of these girls' like dreams since they were, you know, 10 years old to win Miss Universe for their country. And for me, it was something I sort of fell into and I felt kind of guilty in a way because I'm like, oh, this is like, you know, your life and this is amazing for me, but it's not something that I ever sort of set out to do. Um, but yeah, I didn't, it, I didn't follow it and most of Australia doesn't and I don't think New Zealand really do either. Not really, no. I mean, we often when it's like the finals, you might know who yeah, won or, when or if someone said something really stupid, that always gets reported as 100%, well. Like, and oh, you don't want to be that person. Oh, those terrifying. videos are yeah. hilarious. <laughs> It's got, they've gotten really, um, they've gotten a lot better because it is so much more about your brain, um, you know, having a a positive message, an important message, and you don't really get to the top 10 if you don't have an important message. So the girls that they are picking are usually very intelligent and there hasn't been a big slip up for a while. Like the last major slip up was Steve Harvey when he stuffed up. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's always like something like that as well. The hosts can get involved. It's like, oh, imagine hosting and (laughs) something like that. Huge responsibility. Um, It feels like with your life, you've been very good at sort of taking opportunity as as they come. Um, And, you know, you've sort of gone with the flow of it, which I think is really cool. Obviously, like maybe at times you're a little bit resistant or hesitant about modelling and things, but you've had these incredible opportunities come to you. How have you sort of just gone with the flow of taking things as they come rather than I think for a lot of people, you know, we might have an idea of this is what I want to do and so this is how I'm going to do it. Whereas you seem to have gone with it a lot more and explored a lot more. I think because so early on when modelling did happen, you know, I, I was only 19 when I moved to Sydney for modelling and that was something that I'd never planned to do but it ended up, as much as it was tough, it ended up being such a good learning experience and I'm really glad that I did it. So from, you know, 19 years old, I was like, you know, when things are sort of thrown your way, it's best to say yes and make the most of it if you can. If you have the means and the support and um, you can do it, then why not? 
Like mm. I just, I think I became a bit of a yes person then. Um, but at the same time, I, I did set out goals. Like my main goal was to get my degree. So once I ticked that off, I was like, okay, we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess I've never really been a person who has just sat down and be like, I'm going to do this, this, and this, this, this year or in whatever time frame because I think you put too much pressure on yourself. And for me, that's not good for my mental health. So I just sort of wing it. And so far it's been working. So we'll just keep doing that. (laughs) Yeah. And how have you worked out what is good for your mental health and like, you know, your self-care practices and keeping that so that, you know, if you're noticing you're getting anxious, like what are some things you do? That's a really good question. I um, have a lot of different things that I use. I think knowing what my triggers are, Um, And they have changed over the years. So years ago, it used to be food, obviously, um, and a lot of different foods and also putting too much pressure on myself, saying yes to too many things. So like I said, I I am a yes person and I love saying yes to different opportunities, but sometimes you need to learn when to say no and to not spread yourself too thin and commit to too many things. And um, I do like helping people and um, doing things for others. And I think sometimes I need to make sure that I'm not doing that too much and focusing on myself. So I think being a little bit selfish is a, is a good one. Um, I think people are getting better at doing that because um, I think years ago it was like it was seen as selfish to mm. look after yourself. It's like you've got to be doing all these things for other people but um, you can't. You can't look after others if you're not looking after yourself. And I, um, yeah, learned that very quickly because when I was really struggling I was living with my grandpa and – which was awesome to begin with, but he started becoming very dependent on me. But then I was so unwell myself that looking after him was just, it was just impossible. Um, but yeah, so making sure you're getting enough sleep, exercising. Um, yeah, for me, sleep's a big one. If I'm really tired, I am instantly more anxious. Mm. Um, so yeah, sleeping and exercise is my, is my therapy, like running especially. There's nothing more that I, um, there's nothing else that I've found that helps me instantly as much as that does. Um, I think because it hurts. So you focus on how much it hurts. Yeah. And then the um, feeling afterwards after going for a run is oh yeah, so good. It's the best. It's addictive. Yeah. Um, but a good addiction to have, I think, uh, as long as you don't take it too far like mm. I used to. But, uh, but yeah, so exercise, spending time with positive people and cutting out negative people. That's something that I think as I've gotten older, because I'm yeah, 26, I'll be 27 this year you've achieved so much though oh thanks <laughs> yeah you've done so much there's been a bit crammed in the years um but yeah I think the older you get the more you realize that you and you know having moved into state as well you realize that you don't have to hang out with people that you don't get much from like it's not like when you're at school I remember leaving school and feeling like oh wow I don't have to spend my day with that person anymore yeah like or you don't have to do subjects you don't want to do anymore you don't have to be around the people like you literally get to choose your life in a way you know what I mean like and who's in it there's no need to you know I think uh, cutting out friends is a massive thing and very scary but something that you need to do sometimes I've I've listened to this other podcast recently and they were talking about like friendship breakups and how so often we hang on to friends that make us feel shit and you wouldn't do that with a partner. If it was a partner treating you like some of those people might treat you, you'd be like, nah, I'm not doing mm. this. I'm going to break up with you. But with a friend, you're like, oh, but I've known them for, you know, 20 years you or You put whatever. up with it, don't you? You put up with it because you think, oh, I have to be friends with that person, but you don't. Like, and I think that's something that has been hard for me over the years to realise and be okay with, but um, it's made me so much happier now. Living in a different state 
and yeah, choosing the people that I want to hang out with and, and spending my time, you know, I think we need to see our time as important because it is and spending that important time with important people who make you feel good, um, is a massive one for my yeah. mental health, yeah. Totally. I think a lot of the time you can feel like obliged and you you feel like you say you feel like you can't get can't, you know, like stop being friends with someone, but people can often be quite like they have these expectations as well and it's like mm. you don't have to break up with someone per se. You just don't need to message them, you just yeah. don't need to make time to catch up with them. It can be like a pretty just sort of phase them out. Just pretty bit. phase them yeah. out without really, oh, you know, like, or you can say something if you need to say something. Yeah, like, I hate confrontation. Oh, it's horrible, isn't it? it? Yeah. So that's definitely, that hasn't happened. Just really. phase it I out. I just like sort of, um, yeah, choose who I'm going to catch up with. Cause then particularly when it gets super busy, it can't, it becomes easier to be like, no, I'm doing this. I can't. Well, we can't, can't fit everything in. You can't, yeah. yeah. As the year goes on, like I remember even sort of mid to end of last year, you know, everyone's like, let's catch up. And you're like, that mm. you just can't sometimes and not even if you don't want to hang out with that person it's just it's just too busy and then yeah. before you know it's Christmas and then New Year and then you're like oh yeah we're all just we're all just doing our thing so exactly. it's hard to fit it in all the time it is hard and and then it's hard too when it is people that you do want to see and you can't um I find when I go back to Adelaide that's really overwhelming because I particularly want to see my family and I've got a split family so making the time to see you know my dad and his kids and his wife um, as opposed to my mom who I'm usually staying with and then my other siblings and her partner and then cousins and everyone. I yeah. want to see all of them. But then on top of that, obviously I've got lots of close friends there too. So it's hard to, um, yeah, to fit it all in. But then I think that's what has helped me to realize who my true friends are because the true friends are the ones that understand and they don't get pissed off with me. They're mm. like, I get it. Like I'll see you next time. We'll see you when I can, or we'll just chat on the phone or whatever. But it's been friends that have been really offended or really, you know, don't get it. That's like, conditional friendship. Exactly. Or, and like and that's you, what I've realized that you, I don't need that in my life. So, yeah. So living with, you know, I'm living with my partner, Justin, and one of my best friends. And it is just such a happy home. And that has been just so amazing. Like I think last year has been one of the most stable years of my life. And I think... I have them to thank for a lot of that. Um, but two, I think, you know, you need to be happy within yourself and know that it's no one else's responsibility for you to be happy. Um, that's something that I've learned. And I think that that's really helpful for me too, because, you know, if I'm feeling a bit down or um, stressed or anxious, I feel like I'm not being my my best self and not you know, it affects your relationships around you. It affects your work. And um, so it is me. I need to check in with myself and be like, okay, what is it that's making me feel this way and change it? Mm. And I think being, you know, I guess emotionally intelligent, um, that comes with age for sure. But being so in tune with your feelings and, and the causes of them, that's something that, yeah, keeps me on top of my mental health. Yeah. And do you think that by learning that and going through what you have, getting to a good place, like in the last however many years, did that lead you to meet your boyfriend and, and, and it be in a happy and healthy relationship? Definitely. Do, do you think as you got better, that helped you? Yeah. I think um, if I'd met Justin at a different time, we might not have worked because I wasn't the person I am now. So he might not have fallen in love with me because yeah. I, you know, so many times when I talked to him about what I was like when I was, you know, really unwell, I was just so sad and I was so um, self-conscious and I hated hated going out 
I didn't like eating, obviously. Well, I mean, I still liked it, but it was stressful. Yeah, because um, you had to worry about everything. Yeah. yeah, and so much of our life now revolves around, like, I love cooking and I love cooking for us and for our friends and going out to well, Living in Melbourne, and, like, yeah. Melbourne's got the best food. I know. So it would be such a waste if I was still stuck in the state that I was. Um, but yeah, so much of our life revolves around food and enjoying food and, and socializing. And so it would just, yeah, I don't think it would have worked. And I did have, you know, I've got ex-partners who, um, in hindsight, they were not, none of them were terrible people, but a lot of the relationships were because I was not in a good space and you can't have a, you can't expect to have a good relationship if you're not happy within yourself. And it's such, I know it's such a cliche, like, you know, you've got to love yourself before you love anyone, but it's so true. Like mm. It is so true. Yeah, and and like you say, knowing that you can't really fall in love and and you know find all those good things in a relationship until you really learn that to love yourself and also to be happy on your own. I think sometimes yeah. we can place our happiness on other people, other 100%. things, and once yeah. you stop doing that, because that can that's very conditional and can change. Yeah, and then it's like, oh well, I'm not happy anymore because I'm not with that person or yeah. whatever. I never so, wanted to like I had relationships where I was I felt like I really needed the other person to be happy. But I think that's because I, yeah, I wasn't happy within myself and they loved me. Um, but I didn't love myself. So I needed their love to feel better about myself. Mm. Um, and then I remember getting out of one of those relationships and I was like, okay, I need to stop doing that. Like, I never want to feel like I need someone ever again. So I want to know that, you know, if, if it is to end that I will be okay. And I think that's really important because I, you know, I do see myself with Justin for the rest of my life. Um, but I also think like it's important to be your own person and not get lost in the relationship and, um, you know, come as as a pair only and be codependent. I think it's really important to yeah. stay true to yourself and, you know, be your own person. Yeah. What? So what does your day-to-day look like? Obviously you're working for yourself a lot. Mm. So like you're, does that, is that lonely and isolating at times? It can be, um, to be completely honest. Yeah, I think the week after the Melbourne Cup Carnival, I was like, whoa, it was such a lull mm. because I, it was kind of nice because I needed some time off, but um, it can be such a social job doing what I get to do and meeting amazing people and always chatting to people. And um, yeah, I love talking as you can probably tell. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot to say. Um, so spending a lot of my time meeting people and chatting about awesome things and then suddenly being in my apartment by myself, I mean, having my dog definitely helps. Oh, my God, your sane. dog is yeah. like, is it called Z- is it <laughs> Ziggy? Ziggy, he's so cute. He's the best. I'm obsessed. Um, if you <laughs> what kind of me, dog is he? That. He's a chow chow. Oh, he's so cute. Yeah, he makes me very happy. Um, so, I, But I only got him in August. And that has definitely been a massive help for me because, yeah, spending time by yourself you do feel very isolated and it's tricky too because, you know, people like Tully, Tully and I are very similar with that. Um, you know, a lot of our friends do have the normal, you know, nine to five or eight to six or whatever um, desk jobs and it's hard to find people that can catch up with you during the week when you are, you know, feeling a bit lonely because it's a weird routine that we have. Mm, and There is to, no routine really. And you've got to self-motivate yourself as yeah. well. Like, you know, you've got to do things and get up in the morning and, and you know, get things done for yourself. Yeah. It's not like you're going to a job where you've got tasks to do. It's like you've got, and often you're probably having to find like work or you may not, ha- you may have times where there's not as much work. Yeah, definitely. And and this is one of them this week, but, um, you know, I find my ways to fill it. I'm always, uh, I think for me, exercising in the morning is something that 
helps me to get out of bed. It's a reason to get out of bed. And then from then on my days, I can just fill it up. You know, I'm always painting at the moment, which I'm loving. Um, but my managers always, you know, we, we're talking like 20 times a day, like whether it's message, email, phone calls, whatever. Um, cause there's always things in the works. So there's always something to do. There's always emails to respond to. Um, and then, yeah, I guess finding, um, or planning the next thing, finding what I want to do. And, um, I guess a lot of my time is spent sort of thinking about the messages that I want to spread and how I'm going to do that. And, um, the people that I want to work with and that sort of thing. And, um, and yeah, then somehow life ends up really busy and everything comes at once. Like I know for a fact that next month, um, there's a lot on. So I sort of try to make the most of the, uh, the periods where it's a bit more quiet. Mm. Does it sort of blow your mind that you're able to do this like full time now and, you know, the yeah. ambassador roles and your social media and other opportunities that come up, like, like you say, you 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 know you're used to winging it. Like yeah. even though you're not like winging it in a bad way, I mean like you're really good at going with the flow, and it's all working out. Does it blow your mind that it's it's working out that way? Yeah, it is a <laughs> bit weird. I think last year, well, even the year as Miss Universe was tricky because there was only so much money I could make um, doing it because a lot of the time you're traveling, you know, your flights might be covered to attend an event, but they don't necessarily pay you to be there. So you're not, or you know, your outfits are given to you. Um, so you're not necessarily and, making money. You're yeah. more just like they're paying for you to do things. They're paying for you to go, but you're not gaining, yeah, you're not gaining any money, but you're gaining exposure or you're networking, you're meeting people that, and it's also worthwhile because, you know, you might meet, you know, Joe who then tells his wife about you and then she recommends you for her, whatever, like everything sort of leads to something somehow. Um, and that's how it keeps happening for me. But, um, but yeah, I think it was tricky because, I wasn't actually, yeah, I wasn't making much money um, and I was traveling so much and you have to leave your schedule so open because a lot of opportunities pop up last minute. Like in that year, I think the maximum amount of time I spent in Melbourne um, before being in another place was maybe like a week wow. and then I was somewhere else. So I was constantly living out of a suitcase and it was amazing, but it's not a money-making year. It's definitely not that. Um so yeah, it is amazing to me to now be able to do it full time and and not have too much stress financially because it is quite terrifying when you are. Yeah, well, how to are be you like, able to pay like your rent? Well, things. yeah, living from job to job and um, not knowing when the next one's coming is quite scary. And at the beginning, I was a bit dumb with it because if I you know landed a good job and, and they paid me, I was like, oh, awesome, I can go you know go shopping and. Or buy flights to wherever and do these things, and then I was like, "Oh shit! I don't know. I, I don't really know when eat. I'm going to get money again." Oopsies! <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> just eat tin tuna for a while, um, but yeah, so it fluctuates a lot. But now I am really lucky to have landed some uh, some big roles and be working with some awesome people that uh, keep it steady for me, and it makes it way less stressful because that's a big trigger for me actually. Financial insecurity. Is, oh, it's incredibly stressful. I think anyone, I mean, yeah. most times, some time of our life, we've all had a bit of it and it can keep you up at night. It's really oh, yeah. stressful wondering how you're going to be able to pay bills 100%. and eat and, you know, just like it's, it is scary. It is. And it's, yeah, it causes a lot of anxiety for a lot of people. And I think that's something too, that I, that's something that I want to be more transparent about, um, this year because, I don't think it's something that's spoken about enough on Instagram. I know Tully has spoken about it before and I applaud her for that because she said like a lot of the time we do get given things and we get, you know, free tickets to events and we get given outfits and people do our makeup for free and whatever, which is amazing. 
but you're not necessarily making money. So people mm. look at your lifestyle and they're like, oh my God, like she must be, you know. Well, it looks like from the outside looking in, like it looks like, you know, like getting your makeup done. If you, did, if you, it wasn't something you were getting like sent clothes and things. Yeah. That's a very rich looking lifestyle. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for people if who someone, don't fully understand it. And it puts so much pressure on other girls to be like, oh, well now I need to get my makeup done for this event. And I see so many young girls getting their makeup done for things that I never would have when I was oh, younger. Oh no. Even my formal, I did my own makeup. Um, and I'm so lucky that I get all of these things given to me, but I think I need to be more uh, transparent about that and say what is given to me because I wouldn't be able to afford that kind of life if, if it mm. wasn't for Instagram, if I wasn't posting and because it is benefiting their business. It's, you know, at the it's end of business, the day, it is yeah. business, but it's, um, yeah, it's tough for younger girls to think that that's something that they need to aspire to. When it's not realistic. Yeah. I'd have to be earning an absolute fortune to pay for all of those things. And excessively spending as well. Like you can earn a lot of money, but still to be able to to buy all that stuff just seems like a lot. Yeah. Um, No, I think that's really good and good on you. um, Because I think, yeah, you're right. Like back in the day, you could wear multiple outfits. I mean, you still can wear multiple outfits. I think I saw you posting about this. Yeah. The podcast I listen to that I know you listen to, Shameless. I love that podcast. And they would fast back. Yeah, they were. And you sort of posted these outfits that you've owned for a long time that you still like sometimes wear yeah so you do recycle your stuff which I think is really cool but you know back in the day it didn't matter if you wore the same t-shirt or dress like heaps nowadays once you've posted it on Instagram you feel like you can't really wear it again especially I'd imagine when you have a bigger following um, and you are considered a social media influencer so yeah it does put pressure on people to have to have new things all the time which when we're thinking like about the environment and how about oh, like we're so spending, bad. it's bad, you it's know, like so bad. And I, I think it sort of goes back to. Do you remember back when we actually did read magazines? Yes. <laughs> um, and they would have often pictures of celebrities being like outfit repeating, like busting them for outfit repeating, like shaming them. Yeah, and then I think with Instagram, it's sort of like everyone's become their own celebrity because they're you know putting all these photos up, and so if you're putting up, you know. A, you wearing the same outfit twice, like, oh my God, such a scandal. But it's so not, nobody Who cares? cares. No one nobody cares. cares. Only you care. No one has ever commented being like, oh my God, you're wearing the same thing ever. It's never happened. So that's why I wanted to acknowledge it because I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like it so doesn't matter. Style it differently, but keep wearing it. Like it's, I want to encourage that so much more. So I'm going to be, that's something I want to be better about this year is just wearing the same thing more often. Yeah, I want to outfit repeat and tell people about it because it shouldn't be, something that we're embarrassed to do. It's, no, it's I mean, normal. It's, like clothes it, are made to be worn. Exactly. You don't wear them once and then that's it. Like economically, it's better. It's better yeah. for the environment. It's like, yeah, it's better socially as well. I applaud you for that. I think that's something that, you know, I've learned over the years that it is important to be yourself and stay true to yourself. And for me, that means working with brands that I believe in and that I love and that I would use myself regardless. It's like sort of, yeah, working out, you know, if I wasn't being paid to use this, would I use it? Mm. And cutting out the stuff that I wouldn't because there is a lot that comes my way. Like half the time my manager is just sifting through all the shit. Do they get sent your mail first? <laughs> yeah. So she is on my, like my in- email click on my Instagram yeah. goes to my manager. Yeah. So she's lovely. I was emailing her. Yeah. yeah. She's a good girl. I'm very, very lucky to have her. Um, but I feel for her for all the stuff that she gets. Yeah. Um, sent because there's so many things that I would just never, ever consider posting about that she's just... Yeah, and it just seems I get sent things as well and they expect you to post them on your story and it's like, well, they're not paying you for it and especially with yourself, like having a bigger following, like, no. And 
like if and I yeah, don't like it. Yeah, well, like with me, I mean, I and working in radio, I will get sent things like I'm lactose intolerant, and they'll send me dairy products, and I can't and I want eat you to post it. I can't yeah. eat them, and I'm I'm not. I'm very fussy about what I would post. Yeah. Um. But then they email you like, oh, did you get this? I'm like, yeah, thank you so much. I shared them with my workmates because I can't have them. But then they like, I noticed again, they sent me more stuff, and then they expect you to post, and it's like, well. It's PR packages. I just yeah. feel like it's a waste of um, of resources I know, as well. It like, really is. There's and all so the packaging, like the boxes. I'm oh, like, wow. that's why I say no to so much because I just it's such a waste. It just sits there, and I live in an apartment. Like I don't have space yeah. for all this stuff, and it's such a waste. This year, I'm gonna. Um, I don't get sent probably nearly as much as you would, but I'm gonna donate a lot of stuff to like a woman's yeah, refuge or awesome. something, like with beauty products. Because I mean, we have things that we can use, and then they send you stuff that you can't really use because yeah. you've got your stuff that you know you know is good for your skin. Yeah. Um, so like things like that maybe, but yeah, I think the transparency is a good one. So yeah, good on you for that. Cause people are getting over it on, I think on social media. Definitely. There's a lot of it. Um, and I know myself, like I think having come from, well, I mean, all of us start somewhere, um, but not, you know, it's not like I jumped into instantly having a following. So knowing what I liked to follow and, and I'm still the same, like I don't necessarily follow everyone in my industry. Most of the people I follow are my friends. Um, so I don't like to see constant sponsored stuff. I want to see, yeah, you know, my friends doing things and what, you know, what they're up to. And so I actually have turned, you know, I've hidden a lot of things on my, on my newsfeed. Well, that's a good thing now on Instagram yeah, before you, you had to unfollow. It. Now you can just mute things, yeah. which is so and good. And then I've turned on notifications for all of my mates or a lot of my close friends because otherwise, you know, there's just, you I'm can't see it through everything yeah. and I don't see it. And then my friend's like, you never like photos <laughs> and I'm like oh, oh I don't actually it's weird considering how uh, how often I post on my stories or um post photos I don't actually spend that much time right like, going through photos like oh, yeah scrolling through the feed or whatever so yeah I turn on notifications so that I actually get to see the things that I really want to see that's cool yeah hey thank you so much for your time Olivia I mean no I'm worries. sure we could maybe catch up another time but thank you so much I think people get a lot out of this especially like oh, the story so. you've shared and your coping strategies with like anxiety and things just to finish on what is something you would tell your younger self or young girls guys just to help them through life a little bit I think back to what I said before about just being yourself I spent I wasted a lot of time trying to change to be something what I thought was better and um you know to make myself into a different version you know, to be something that other people would like. But I think learning to embrace who you are and loving who you are and then making friends with people who love that version of you as well. Um, yeah, that's probably my biggest advice. Rather than trying to fit them, I'll just be yourself. And what about people who are trying to start something, achieve something, you know, build a career or whatever it may be for them, what would be your advice? Oh, well, mine's been winging it. Um, <laughs> but no, no, I think I that's, think, been, that's been good for you. Yeah, I, in saying that, like, I don't recommend coming out of school and being like, I'm not going to go to uni, I'm just going to wing it. That doesn't work. I, you know, I think it's really important to to get a degree or, you know, to do something that gives you a good base. So I know that if everything, like I said, if everything was to fall apart, at least I can be a speech pathologist and that's an amazing career to have. Um, so I think... Yeah, make sure you've got a good backup plan. If you do want to go out there and, and, you know, risk it and, you know, start a business or do whatever your dream is, then do it. Like 100% go for it. But make sure that, um, you know, that you have a plan if it doesn't work out. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for your time, Olivia, and all that you do. 
Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Self Love Club podcast. A special thanks to Nick Bourbon, our audio engineer. Please subscribe for more episodes and catch up on eps you may have missed. Five-star reviews help other gal pals find this independent podcast. Please share it with your friends and sharing it on your Instagram story helps heaps too. To find out more about our Boss Babe guests and for the Self Love Club resources and blog posts, check out my website, bellcrawford.com. There's a new post on my go-to self-care practices and you can follow me at bellcrawford on Instagram and Facebook. Feel free to DM me on the gram. I love hearing from you. We've got heaps of Boss Babes coming up to empower you through 2019 with weekly episodes available each Monday. Catch you soon, babes. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.